Shalom to all of our listeners. This is Alex Israel talking from uh, Alon Shut. Uh, this week's parsha is dominated by the story of the flood, a major calamity which takes place in the history of the world, uh, where the optimism of last week of Parshat Breshit, the optimism of a new world, a fresh start, um, is turned to darkness as God says how He is disappointed with man and decides to destroy the world entirely uh, and rebuild it through Noah and his children. Um, and indeed, Noah and his children create a new world. However, no sooner have they begun to make a society, uh, there is another fascinating story, the story of Migdal Babel, the Tower of Babel, um, in which God once again intervenes. You see, usually, uh, God lets the world continue at its regular pace. He doesn't intervene or apparently doesn't intervene in a major way on a daily basis. The world runs according to the laws of nature, the laws of history, the laws of society. And yet, uh, there are moments in which God intervenes in a most considerable way. The flood is obviously an example of this. But the second example of this in Parshat Noach is the story of Migdal Bavel, the Tower of Babel. And it is there that we are going to turn our attention. I'm going to begin by reading the Pesukim themselves, the verses themselves, so that we can gain some background to the story and remind ourselves of its content. I'll read both in Hebrew and in English, and I'll translate, just to make it clear for everybody who's listening. The story is, can be found in chapter 11, Parakut Aleph of Breshit. Vayihi kol ha'aretz safa achat udvarim achadim. The whole world was of one language, one tongue, udvarim achadim, and one idea. By the way, this phrase, dvarim achadim, is very difficult. What does it refer to? The whole world was one language and one davar, one thing. We'll translate it like this. The whole world was one language and one idea. When they traveled from the east, they found a valley in the land of Shinar, and that is where they dwelt. One man said to the other, Behold, let us make bricks, and let us burn them in fire. And then the bricks were like stone, and cement was for them to join the stones. And they said, Behold, let us build a city and a tower with its top in the heavens, and let us make for ourselves a name, lest we be scattered, scattered over the face of the world. God came down to see the city and tower which man had built. They are one people. There is one language to them all. This they've begun to do. Now I'm going to prevent them from that which they seek to do. And we all know the story. God progresses to confuse their language and as a result, God scatters them over the face 
of the world and they stopped building the city. The immediate question is, why does God feel that Migdal Bavel, or maybe the society of Bavel, is such a threat? What does God see here when he comes down to see, in verse 5, the city and the tower which man had built? What's the problem? I'd like to compound this uh, problem with a few further questions. Question number one is that Chazal see this society as a tremendously unified society. They talk about the idea that this society, even though it was very evil, and again in Chazal's view, the people did the most severe sin. They wanted to fight God, they wanted to confront God, and we'll come on to this in a minute. But a very famous Rashi says, and which is worse, the generation of the flood or the generation of Migdal Bavel? After all, again according to Chazal, the generation of the flood were evil, but uh, they didn't try and attack God. But the people of Migdal Bavel, the people of the Tower of Babel, actually wanted to fight with God. So how can it be that the people of the generation of the flood, who were violent but weren't directly against God, well they were all killed. But the people in Migdal Bavel, how is it that they survived? Chazal answer very simply, the generation of the Mabul, of the flood, all stole from each other. And there was separation in society, there was division in society between them. And therefore they were killed. But the people of the Tower of Babel, there was harmony, there was societal harmony, no friction between them. And therefore Rashi concludes, Division, argument is hated and peace and harmony in society is loved. So we see a society who are all friendly and warm to each other, they're united. How can it be that this society are so seriously sinning? What exactly is going on here? There are a few other questions we can ask. Why did the people want to make a tower? What was it for? And if they really wanted to reach the heavens, it says they found a valley in the land of Shinar. If you'd like to reach the heavens, you don't start building a tower in a valley. You build it on the hill. So we really want to try and understand what this is all about. Let's begin uh, describing a number of different approaches we're going to talk about two or three approaches and then challenge them and come up with a final approach which is what we're going to go with. The first approach might be considered to be the Derech HaPshat or most of the uh, proponents of Pshat in Tanakh follow this approach. And they say very simply that this society sought none other than to be united and to live together. They work themselves of the Psukim where they say in verse Dalad, we don't want to be scattered over the world. Now, you might ask, what exactly is the problem with something like this? Well, we all remember that God said to Adam, you should spread, you should multiply, you should be fruitful and spread yourselves over the world. Uh, the Rashbam says this, for example, where he says, 
ציווהם הקדוש ברוך הוא פרו רבו ומילאו את הארץ. fill the world והם בחרו להם מקום לשבת שם ואמרו פן נפוץ. they wanted to find a place to live and they said we don't want to be scattered. and therefore God scattered them. if this explanation is true then this is a rather mild and somewhat harmless story. God had a plan that the human beings should populate the world. Human beings didn't want to. They preferred their togetherness. It's very nice. But God said, you know what? I know you want to be together, but I need you to separate. And therefore, he separated them. Okay, pretty mild. By the way, the Ramban asks a very cute question here. He says, what were they really thinking? Did they really think that over generation after generation after generation, the population would not expand and they would go to other places? Obviously, the population is going to expand. But this is the Pshat explanation which makes the story rather undramatic. Explanation number one. Explanation number two goes in an entirely radically different direction. That the purpose of this tower was actually to confront and fight God. The Midrash says, Vahi benas ami kedem, Amorabi Elazar ben Rabbi Shimon, when they travelled from the east, and the east, Kedem, is seen as a pun on the Kadmonoshel Olam, he who originated the world, by Hebron Osami Kedem, Amorabi Elazabar Rabbi Shimon, Hisiu Atzmami Kadmonoshel Olam. They travelled away from he who originated the world. They said, We don't want him, and we don't want his dominion, we don't want his control. In the, in, in, in the Gemara they talk about how they were going to make a tower in order to go up to the heavens and actually fight with God, confront Him in battle. As the Midrash says, we're going to put an Avodah Zara on the top of the tower, we're going to put a, a sword in its hand and we are actually confronting God. The question is where we exactly see this in the text. Do we ever see that they wanted to confront God? I don't see it. I look through the text, I look through every single line, and nowhere it's true that God intervenes. But this is not a rebellion of the sort that we saw in the Garden of Eden where God gave an instruction and they defied it. And certainly we don't see people going along and saying we are anti-God. We don't see the nation of Bavel turn around and even mention God. Maybe these views are taking it from Maybe the Shamayim is the domain of God, as we see through many Psukim. And if they want to be Roshoba Shamayim, why would they want to be there? And yet, from a Pshat perspective, it is very difficult to support and understand why we would want to claim that they're actually fighting God in a direct confrontation. So what we're going to do is we're going to leave this opinion aside, uh, it's difficult to understand, and try and seek further opinions. One third approach, which I always find very, very sweet, very cute, is an approach mentioned in Bereshit Rabbah, and again we're going to see, come back to this later, where the people actually wanted to use this um, to help their society. Let me explain how. 
Amru, they said, Achat le'elef v'taf reishnun vav shana harakia mitmotet. Every 1,656 years, the sky falls in. Bovan ases muchot, let us make supports for the heavens. And apparently this was the first one. According to this Midrashic view, this isn't a city which is aimed at preventing dispersal. This is not a direct confrontation to God. This is an aim to support the very heavens. These were the survivors of the flood, the people who had, over, who had uh, survived after the trauma of the deluge of the entire world. And they said, we have to do something. We have to make sure that another flood doesn't happen. Rather than turning towards their own actions, maybe they didn't really understand that it was the evil of society which had called the flood, and they looked at it as a mere technical problem. They turned around and said, we have to actually build supports for the heavens. We have to build towers in order to hold the heaven up. And therefore, they build, start building one tower, and they figure that in the next 1,565 years, they will actually manage to uh, build multiple supports in order to support the heavens. Now this uh, sounds like something out of uh, children's stories, but I hope that we're going to see in a few minutes that actually there is something much deeper behind this explanation. So, so far I think we've seen three different explanations of how to look at Migdal Bavel, and in a way I think that, um, well, certainly I feel at this stage still unsatisfied with each of them. We're going to look at two further explanations. We're now going to turn our attention to the Natsiv, Haamek uh, Davar, Rav Naftali Tzvi Balin, who was the Rosh Hashiva in Velazhin and wrote a beautiful parish to the Torah. And he has an incredible, incredible explanation which resonates uh, with contemporary meanings. And I'll read through his, uh, his interpretation. He focuses on the idea of the, of the city, which is meant to prevent everybody scattering, and the idea of the tower. Why did they need the tower? If the idea was that they shouldn't scatter, why did they need a tower Varosh Shabbat in addition, he says, how is this connected to what we saw in the first line of the parsha, The Safa Achat Udvarim Achadim. Their single language. Their single idea. How are they connected? And this is what the Natsiv says. He says, certainly, Zevadai lo ya'ale al-hadat. No one would ever suggest that there could be a city for the entire world. But, says the Natsiv, they thought that all of the villages and towns would be secondary to that city in which there was the tower. And now he says the tower would be in order to watch over those cities far and wide to see the entire collective society so that nobody would go anywhere else. What would, who would be in this uh, tower? Uh, he says, Anashim mashkichim umunrim al There would be people who would be supervising. Sareit sava. Army officers who would punish people. Because otherwise the tower wouldn't work. The tower was a watchtower. It was to watch over society, to control the major city and all the satellite towns, and make sure that nobody left. Nobody left the area. 
And he says, Because they were concerned that nobody should be allowed to leave. And now the Nitziv gets to, right, right to the point. He says, It is clear that at the center of all of this is the single idea which they shared. And because people's ideas are not identical, they were worried, they were concerned that nobody should leave this society with the ideas contained within it, to adopt any other ideas. And therefore, they watched and they spied that nobody should leave their society. And whoever abandoned the ideas of that singular society, he was meant to be given the punishment of death by burning. And this suddenly takes us to the Midrashim about Avram Avinu and the fiery furnace. And he says, and therefore, their singular ideas, their united ideas became a stumbling block because they decided to kill anybody who didn't think the way that they thought. Chaimit Davar is describing an incredible process. We have a society who are phenomenally united. As Chazal said, they were a, a, a society who had they were united and together. And they were united not only by their language, they were united by a certain concept, a certain idea of society. However, um, they were so involved in their singular idea, they so valued it, that they said, we have to create an imposed environment whereby we can make sure that this precious idea which we all share nobody ever thinks differently and therefore the tower which they build is, is sort of a watchtower to watch over society the, the secret police the KGB I don't know who uh, sit up there in the tower with their listening devices and their technological equipment to make sure that they don't ever see groups leading, leaving and creating civilization elsewhere a society with a different regimen with a different order with a different concept with a different way of life they had a beautiful idea but when they started imposing it when they started taking um, their concept, their ideology, and making it something forced, when it became a, a, a dictatorship which dictated to people how they have to behave and how they have to live, God decides to intervene. God says, this society which prevents the freedom of man, which prevents the multiplication of ideas, this is an oppressive society and I have to get involved. This is an incredible reason, especially for the Nsiv in Velazhin. I don't know whether he's predicting an atmosphere, or maybe he already saw the roots somewhere in his mind's eye of, of communism. Uh, but many other societies are also that way, where society has a powerful idea which is true, a powerful idea which many, many people share and love. But some, and, and that idea has, has, has phenomenal um, creativity and phenomenal goodness. But when it is imposed on every individual, when it is imposed on every different part of society, um, as as the native says, um, the problem is that ain deyot b'nei adam shavim. Different people are different, and ideas which work for a certain group don't work for another group. And therefore, when the majority group tries to impose its views on the minority group, even a good and beautiful idea can become distorted and ugly. And uh, that is the 
the the way that the Nitziv reads this powerful story. You have a united society with a wonderful ideology, but it all goes awry because the people try and uh, dictate to everybody how to be. This was a closed society uh, surrounded by a Berlin Wall, uh, which was meant to ensure that nobody left, nobody departed from the views of the of the government, and uh, that's the story of Migdal Bavel according to the Nitziv. Now, some of you who are listening might feel that the Nitziv is reading a little bit too much in, getting too political. Um, and therefore, I'd like to come back to uh, a further explanation. I think we're up to explanation number five. Uh, if you remember, we started off with the uh, problem of the dispersal, Puravu, that was our first explanation. Number two, the problem of Odazara, the confrontation to God. Uh, number three, we spoke about the supports for the heavens, preventing another flood. And we've just dealt with um, the totalitarianism of the, uh, the way the Nitziv explains it. I'd like to engage in a fifth explanation, which uh, you can find in the writings of Rav Shimshon Rafael Hirsch, um, and I've heard it also in the name of Rav Soloveitchik. Rav Soloveitchik turned to a certain verse which many people have ignored in their explanations. Uh, verse 3, Pasuk Gimel. And he said, in addition to Pasuk Dalet, where there is the word Hava, Behold, let us make a city and a tower with its heavens, with its head in the heavens. There is another hava. There is another call to action. And that can be found in verse 3. Verse 3 reads the following. Here we have a passage which describes the invention of the brick. You might say, why is the invention of the brick so significant? It's significant because they find themselves in the valley of Shinar. It is, this is a, a valley, a plain, where there is no stone. There is only clay. And in an environment where there is only clay, you can try and build mud huts, you can build one-story houses. However, if there are severe rains, they're going to be destroyed, quite possibly. And certainly one cannot build to great heights. What we see in verse 3 is a technological breakthrough. The invention of the brick. The people learn that if they dig up the clay and form it into bricks and then put them in a kiln, um, and again here maybe we have a connection with the furnace of Abraham, when they put them in a kiln, they will be able to create artificial stone. They will be able to create a brick. And now with this brick, they have something where they can reach heights they never dreamed of. We have here a society which has discovered a new quantum leap in technology. What do they do with this new technology, the brick that they create? The technological breakthrough is in verse 3. Verse 4 describes what they do. They decide to display it. They decide to use it. They decide to show the entire globe, the entire civilization, that they are the most advanced civilization on the face of the planet. Let's take our achievements and let's build the highest tower anyone's ever built. Let us make for ourselves a name. This is a society which is um, obsessed with its own achievements. It is drunk with pride, 
lanu shame. The word shame in Tanakh is frequently the notion of a name, uh, apart from people having a good name and people being given names, but one of the most important things is the notion of shame Hashem. Shame Hashem. But this is a society which is, interest, is not interested in Shem Hashem. It is interested in Nase Lanu Shem. Chazal, uh, in the Midrash, in Perkei Durabi Eliezer, illustrate this so beautifully, where they say, if a man fell down and died, no attention was paid to him. But if a brick fell down, they would sit and weep and say, oh no, where will we get another brick from? The bricks the technology, the achievements of society um, became the be-all and end-all, the tower which reached the heavens. That was what society lived for. They lived to um, broadcast the prowess of man and the progress that human beings can make with their own intelligence. And in that society where technology was everything, nothing else mattered. Individuals were disposable, and other things were disposable too. I sometimes think if we can return back to our other explanations, this is exactly what the Midrash meant when it spoke about the aim of the Migdal, of the tower, to hold up the heavens and prevent another flood. What were they interested in? They were interested in human progress, which would protect them from the elements, from the alien aspects which can threaten our lives of the of the of the elements of the winds of the of the rain, and therefore they said, "Oh, great! Now we have the technology. We can hold up the heavens. We can prevent another flood. We can stop all the forces of nature from coming against us." That is the deep understanding of the midrash, which says they were building a tower to hold up the heavens and prevent another flood. They thought that technology was everything. They thought by human intelligence and mastery, uh, by 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 creating a space program by decoding the genome, they would be able to uh, make themselves impermeable to any harming element. God looks at this society and he sees something wrong. He, he doesn't punish them, uh, but he does see something wrong. Um, because here is a society which what does it put at the top of the tower? Human intelligence. Technology. Um, it puts the uh, advancement of society at the pinnacle of all else, such that many, many other things um, are secondary. And um, this is a society which I could say more than anything else is, is godless. And maybe this is exactly what Chazal was trying to say when it says they made war on God. They didn't make war on God because they confronted him, but they simply eclipsed him. They wrote him out of the script. God comes down um, to see what man has done almost in the same language as what happens in the story of the flood it says Hashem just like God sees what man do he sees the ear and the migdal and he says they are indeed one people they have one language and they've achieved tremendous things but where's it all going? it's going to only go in a direction which is negative because if we don't have a society which develops this idea of godliness idea of morality the ideas of the spirit then the society is going to become morally bankrupt it is going to um, it is going to lose any goodness that it has within it and therefore what God decides to do is to take this advanced society and scatter it God says there cannot be a society 
which is which is a godless society. And indeed, the midrash we quoted at the beginning, which said these people uh, were tremendously in Ben Adam lechaveiro, they were tremendously unified. Uh, it's true. This wasn't a corrupt society in the sense of the of the mubble, where there was violence and where people were stealing from one another, and where there was no cohesion within society, only suspicion and and uh, the fought, the rule of 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 might. This was a society which was a good society where people worked very hard and where people celebrated the achievements of man. But yet God says, that is not my vision for the world. And therefore, God uh, gets involved. He divides them by separating their language whereby they can't communicate with each other. And then what he does is the people separate and go on to form separate societies. Now each society will develop alone, each with its own creativity, each developing new things, but hopefully they won't have this idea of one society with this incredible edifice of their own intelligence, mastery and progress. And yet the society will go and develop other things, including a dimension of finding, not but as we say in Judaism, Hashem. Indeed, Avram is the answer to all of this, where Avram's first act is Hashem. He comes to Eretz Yisrael, he comes to Shechem, and he builds a Mizbeach, as you will see in chapter 12, verse um, verse 8, Perek Yudbet, Pasuk Chet, Hashem, B'Shem Hashem. We can't have Nasel Anushen, that the individual is the be-all and all society. We are looking, Likra B'Shem Hashem, to take human mastery but to use that within a society which sees higher values, not just the values of man, but the values of God at the pinnacle of its achievements. Wishing everybody Shabbat Shalom and a good week.